welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Wednesday the 17th of February 2010, entitled, How to Get God's Attention, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you here tonight. We learned a little chorus on Sunday night. And uh, I want to sing it tonight, and if some of you that weren't here don't uh, know it, uh, we'll sing it through a second time, and that way you'll get accustomed to it. I'll start. You help, help me with it, all right? I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. For dying on Calvary, Forgiving me victory, I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. Let's sing it through again. I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. For dying on Calvary, for giving me victory, I love the Lord Jesus with all of my heart. Well, all we need is a bus and we can go on the road. Boy, y'all sounded great. I hope you meant that. I hope you meant what you just sang. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say to do. And so I hope you'll mean those words tonight. Isaiah chapter number 66. I want you to look at the first two verses. Isaiah chapter number 66. It's so good to see folk here that I hadn't seen in quite a while. Pastor Pizer, the Roses, and some others snuck in on me. I love all of you. I appreciate you so much. It's so good to, just good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Well, we could just shut up shop right now and go on to the house, and it'd been good to be in God's house. But you know what? We got to hear from what God wants us to, to hear tonight. And so I want you to uh, I want you to let your attention fall to Isaiah chapter number sixty six and verses one and two. Have you ever had something arrest your attention? I was driving to a meeting, Pastor Pizer, not too long ago, and I was out in the country. And uh, I was heading toward the church that I was going to preach at. It was a Sunday morning, and I was trying to get there before Sunday school. It was about 9 o'clock, and I was, about, I was running about 20 minutes behind. And I was driving down this road, and the only house on this road, other than where the church, there's only one house on the road besides the church. And I'm driving, Peter, and uh, all of a sudden, what looked like a cat darted across the road from in front of this house. Well, I felt it go boom, 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 you know, and I went, oh, no. I've done run over some. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I can find a whole lot uses for a cat and not a lot of good ones, all right? I'm not being, I'm not a cat lover, but let me just say that. And, uh, but I ran over this cat and I felt terrible. Well, uh, the only place I figured the cat came from was this house. So I drove up in the driveway and I, I knocked on the door and the lady came to the door and she said, uh, yes, can I help you? I said, ma'am, I, I hate to tell you. Here I am dressed, you know, I'm a preacher. And I, I go up to the door and I said, ma'am, I hate to tell you, but I, I I believe I ran over your cat. She said, well, what did it look like? Well, I wouldn't be in funny. I just went like this. I mean, that's what it looked like when I, when I looked in the rearview mirror. I mean, it was just, she went, 
No, she said, before you hit it. And I went, like that. <laughs> now, all that, I'm just going on with you. I really did run over to Cat, but all that other is extra biblical. I mean, anyway. But you know what? It, 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 it startled me, Jim. It, it, it got my attention really quick. I, the, the rest of the way, the church, I was wide awake. I was looking from side to side to see if anything darted in front of my car. Was anybody, any, anybody in here ever, something ever just got a hold of you? I mean, it really got your attention. Can I just give you a few things tonight? The first thing I want to talk about is my dad. My dad had, an, had a keen way of getting my attention. I don't know about your mom and dad, but my dad had an intriguing way, Peter, of getting, getting my attention. First of all, my dad's call. My dad had a call. I mean, uh, Pastor Glenn, when he called, it didn't matter where, how far away you were. didn't matter what you were doing. When he called, you came, all right? There wasn't no questions. If he said run, how you said how fast. If he said jump, you said how high. I mean, that's just what you did. My father's call got my attention. But there's another thing that got my attention, Pastor uh, Larry, and it was his correction, all right? My father's correction. I can remember, Pastor Russ, I was in a department store with my sister one time, and we were in the middle of this clothes rack. That There was a round clothes rack. We were in the middle of it. And we were in there just giggling, and, and all of a sudden we thought it'd be cute, cute, to start jerking, just jerking clothing off of, off of the hangers, right? Well, my dad didn't think it was cute. So my dad jerked me out from inside of that clothes rack and began to apply the board of education to the seat of knowledge, if you know what I mean. And you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for a daddy that didn't care whether the manager at J.C. Penney's thought it was wrong for him to spank his child for doing something wrong. But he didn't care about that. He corrected me because he loved me. Now let me tell you something, folks. His call and his correction got my attention. But I'll tell you what really, really got me was my father's compassion. There were many times, folks, when I did things. But my father's call got my attention. My father's correction really got my attention. But it was when I saw my father's compassion. I broke my father's heart. I won't go into details about what I did one time. But Pastor Larry, I sat across the table from him, and my dad didn't speak one word. But you know tears are a language that many people in this room can be keenly acquainted with. And when I watched my daddy cry over my sin and me breaking his heart, I'll tell you, Carl, that really got my attention. My father's call, my father's correction, my father's compassion. That's what got my attention, Tim. But can I say something tonight? I want you to look at our text. Isaiah chapter 66. I want you to look at verse number 1. It says, Thus saith the Lord. Now, I'm not saying this. God said this. Thus saith the Lord. The heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all these things hath my hand made, and all these things hath been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Do you know that there's some things that get our attention? But can I speak to you tonight on how to get God's attention? Do you want to get God's attention? God says, Peter, this is what gets my attention. To this man will I look, Tony, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth. 
You know what, Panos? I don't know the last time that I've ever preached anywhere. The length and breadth of the country of America, or even in England, in Mexico, in the South American countries, I've been all over the place, but I don't think I've ever seen a place where when the preaching of God's Word was dealt with, that I saw anybody tremble over it. In that day when Ezra the scribe opened the book, they stood for one-third of the day and they praised God. And you know what? They rent their clothes and they smote themselves on the breast and said, I'm in sin. Forgive me, O God. What in the world? Where are we at these days? We relabel sin. We sweep it under the rug. We don't deal with it. We'll say, you know what? If God hadn't dealt with me today on it, He must have done forgot about it. Can I advise you from here to the back row, God ain't forgot nothing. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the, sons of the, heart, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You know what that verse is literally saying? When we're not judged today on something we did yesterday, we think, we got away with it. God said, you do not. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And folks, God is trying to deal with His people and He says, this is who I look toward. If you want to get my attention, God says, do these things. You be poor and don't talk about your pocketbook. It's talking about your spirit. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite, broken spirit and trembles at my word. Now folks, if you'll look back at verse number 1, I want to tell you something about our God. He said, the heaven is my throne, Roy, and the earth is my footstool. Can I just brag a little bit on how big our God is for just a minute? Our God is so big that the whole heaven is His throne. The earth is where He sets His feet. The psalmist said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou wast... We didn't see a lot of that today because of the clouds. But they are up there. The moon, the stars which thou hast ordained. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You know what he's saying? Basically, he's saying, God, you're so big. What would you want to do spending time with measly old me? You know what I'm so thankful for? We serve a God that's so big. Folks, can you imagine how big our God is? Folks, he's so big, he deserves great praise. The psalmist said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. If we served a little God, Spurgeon said, he'd deserve little praise. But we serve a great God, and he deserves great praise. And why is it that we shut our mouths, shut our doors, and we don't listen? The only time most of you probably even praise his name is when you're sitting in a pew. What about when you're in the grocery store at Tesco? Why don't you just start singing psalms and praises to his name? What's wrong with us? I believe the devil's got us handcuffed. And I believe the reason why most of our friends are not here tonight when they need to be is because they haven't seen us stand up and say, Redeemed! How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Huh? Maybe I'm hitting somewhere where you're kind of having a problem. I think all of us need to learn how great our God is. Folks, do you realize that the God of heaven, it says, has to humble himself to look down on the heavens? That literally means that He is in heaven and He's basically, and I know God's not a human being, He's a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But can I just say this? To put our little infinitesimal minds around who God is, we give Him human, you know, human um, uh, characteristics. He literally has to get on His hands and knees to look down on the heavens. 
Folks, do you realize how big the known universe that we exist in is? The galaxy that we live in is 100,000 light years across the Milky Way galaxy. We live in a solar system uh, in that that is so, is so small, folks, that if the Milky Way galaxy were the size of the continent of the United States or the North American continent, the solar system we live in with, listen, the sun and nine planets is the size of about a quarter. Boy, don't that make you feel real big? Can I tell you something, Carl? The same God that Psalm 19 says the heavens declare His glory and the firmament, Pastor Pizer, shows His handiwork. Day under day, utter a speech and night under uh, night, uh, knowledge. And you know what? It literally says this, that God flung the stars out. He flung them into existence and He named them all. And the same God that named every star, Jim, knows your name. The same God that named every planet knows your name. He don't know your name and you don't know you by a number. You're not number 855,422. 855, no, you are Brian. You are Malcolm. You are Andy. I'm telling you, He knows your name. How does He know it? Psalm Isaiah chapter number 49 verse 15 because it's written on the palm of His hand. Can I even get a holy grunt out of that? I mean, folks... What's wrong with us? Do we not realize that the same God who said, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, says, this is the person that I look towards, Tenica, even him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. If you want to get God's attention, there's two qualities that are lacking today that gets God's attention. It's called humility and it's called honesty. Let me say that again. It's called humility and it's called honesty. We can't start blaming everybody else, Chris, can we? We can't blame our sister-in-law. Can't blame our brother-in-law. Well, I don't like that church because I don't like the pastor. Those people I just can't get along with. Well, uh, you know what? You need to start looking in the mirror. Get honest. It ain't nobody else's fault. The Bible says if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye... It didn't say the person that's wrong is going to come to you and make things right. It says, ye which are spiritual, go to such a one in a spirit of meekness and restore such a one, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Lest you be tempted. So folks, you say, preacher, what's your point tonight? My point is this, folks. I'm not trying to be preachy. I'm not trying to be eloquent. I'm trying to make you understand how good our God is. And if we serve a great God like that, we can get His attention. How do we do that? How do we get God's attention? Well, you be honest and you be humble. It's as simple as that. Let's bow our head. No, I ain't done yet. I know you'll probably wish I was. How do you get God's attention? Can I give you just a few things tonight? This is just a cream off the top. This is just meat and potatoes, if, if I can say that. Just meat and potatoes message. A few ways that you can get God's attention, Roy. The first one, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians and look at chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 4. Look at verse number 2. Scripture says this. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found Faithful. It didn't say successful. It didn't say financially wealthy. It didn't say, listen, intellectually wise. It said, moreover, it is required, Ray, 
that a man be found faithful. If you want to get God's attention, Chris, the first way is, number one, you be a committed steward. A committed steward. You say, what's a steward? Well, a steward is one that is an overseer of what somebody's entrusted to their care. And you're to do this with what that master or that Lord has given to you. You're to make him successful, not yourself. That's what a steward is. And you are to be a committed steward. What's the word commit mean? The word commit means to entrust, to give over to. Folks, listen to me. We're not our own. God didn't create you for you to go out and make your own self wealthy. God didn't create you to go out and to make all types of money or to be notorious or to be famous. God created you to make Him glorified, to make Him successful. You got to be a committed steward. Most everybody in England knows of David Livingston. I talked about him Sunday night. David Livingston stayed on the field. I, I don't know how many years he was on the field before he had his first convert, but I know it was a long time. Served faithfully. They cut his heart out, buried it in Africa, shipped his body back to be buried here in England. But David Livingston was on the field one day and got a post. It was a telegram. Pastor Pizer on this telegram was a family from here in England had, po had, had, had telegrammed him, and it was given to him in Africa. The telegram read this way, Dear Dr. Livingston, we would like to come and help you in your ministry. Can you please tell us the easiest way to get to you? Be advised. He telegrammed them back and said, To whom it may concern, there is no easy way to get where I'm at. Find your own way. You say, well, that's mean. No, it ain't. Because if you don't get this, you'll never get the rest of this message. There ain't an easy way to go through this life when you're serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm telling you, he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You try to do it on your own, and I'll tell you, you'll fail miserably every single time. You've got to be a committed steward. He was committed, and you know what? He said, basically what he was trying to say was this. There ain't going to be no easy way to do what I've been doing. Folks, I'm telling you what, when you commit to the Lord Jesus Christ and you make a commitment to Him, that does not mean you rededicate. It means you make a total commitment. See, folks, I am so... I believe that you're one of two things in the Christian life. Now, I'm not talking to lost people tonight. If you're in here and you're not saved, the first thing you need to understand is God's looking for you to save you. He ain't looking for you in service. He's looking, first of all, to save you. We know the primary reason that Jesus came, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're in His service and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be a saint and not an ain't tonight if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's good preaching, Brian. Amen, I like it. That's good. I like it. I agree. But let me tell you something, folks. You're either one of two things in the Christian life. Now, hold on and bear with me. I'm going to explain what I'm saying. You're either, Roy, in the Christian life, a chicken or a hog. You say, preacher, what in the world, a chicken or a hog? Let me tell you what I'm trying to say. In, at, listen, when a chicken is on the, bar, on the, farm, on the farm yard... He lays an egg, they take the egg, they put it in the frying pan, they make an egg out of it, they put it on the breakfast plate, and he makes a contribution to breakfast. But when the hog goes to the slaughterhouse, he makes a total commitment because he's bacon. You're either a chicken 
or you're a hog. You're either going to make a contribution to the King of Kings or Lord of Lords, or you're going to make a total commitment. It's time tired of people saying, well, I'm going to give him this all. I'm going to give him this problem, my God. I'm going to give him this area of my life. But there's this little part that there's no way I could give him. You know what? God knows exactly the part that you're holding back from him. Now, I'm not trying to push your buttons. I'm not trying to meddle where you I ain't read your mail. I don't know your social security number. I know nothing about most of you in here, spiritually speaking. But I know this. God knows exactly where you're at tonight. Are you making a contribution? Or are you going to make a total commitment? If you're going to, listen, if you're going to get God's attention, number one, you've got to be a committed steward. The songwriter said, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely loan. <laughs> he didn't say, some of y'all like, well, amen. Oh, I, hey, all to Him I freely give. You know what? We want spirituality, Pastor Pizer, like we want everything else. We want it now. We want it cheap, and we want it on credit. And God don't work that way. God says, you let me have it, and watch me work. That's why he says, you know what? You yoke up with me. You know what? A lot of people have said, preacher, ain't no way I could go out and travel, not know where my next paycheck's coming from. Ain't no way I could do that. Well, you know what? God, God hadn't fitted you with that yoke. Why don't you praise his name? But you know what? God hadn't feeded me with the yoke that He's given to you. See, God fits you with the yoke where, whereby He says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. God will fit you and equip you with the yoke to get you through life if you're yoked up with Him. So folks, listen if, you're going to, listen, if you're going to get God's attention, number one, you do it by being a committed steward. Committed steward. Secondly, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. While you're turning there, I'll say this too. Had people after people after people come to me after a service like this about every single week in America. And they say, preacher, you know what? I'm just not sure I'm saved. I need to get saved again. I've had people say, I need to get saved again. So what do you mean? Well, the problem is, is they don't know how to properly deal with their sin. See, they've been taught, well, I've sinned. I'm going to have to get saved again. No, 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 no. You need to confess your sin. Forsake your sin. Proverbs 28, 13. What does it say? He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsake. That's something that's not preached these days. Well, we'll just confess it and then keep on doing what we're doing. No. You, listen, Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee to the woman that was caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and continue your old adulterous lifestyle. No, he didn't say that. He said, go and sin no more. Ooh. Folks, let me tell you something. When you get saved, your relationship will never change. When I got married, friend... My relationship will never change with my wife. Though I may even get a, if, if for God, for God forbid, but if I ever got a bill of divorcement, that's just a piece of paper that from the state of North Carolina and the United States of America. That don't mean I'm divorced from my wife. In heaven, it was settled. We were married. In the eyes of God, we are together forever. Now, I know that ain't popular today, but I ain't preaching for popularity. I'm preaching for Jesus. But let me tell you something, folks. My relationship with my wife, Tim, will never change. Never. But there's times when our fellowship are broken. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Stop it, Carl. Stop. 
And look at Andy back there. All, all your men are going, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, man. You know how it is when you turn over looking at the wall that way and your wife turned over looking at the wall that way. There's a great gulf fixed in between you, you know, that I can't go over there and she can't come over here. I mean, <laughs> fellowship's broken. What's broken it? Sin. So how do you deal with it? How do you get that fellowship restored? You go to them and you say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, honey. And oh, how, oh, listen, how sweet the fellowship is when you have restoration. That's what God wants. He wants you to understand your relationship will never be broken, but the fellowship can be. And you just got to confess it and forsake it. All right? Listen, be a committed steward. But look at 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Look at verse number 14. Verse number 14. I love this book. Paul tells, the, Paul tells, the, uh, the, tells Timothy to tell the church this. He said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now look down at chapter number 4 and look at verse number 5. He says, But watch thou in all things, do endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full, F-U-L-L, proof of thy ministry. He didn't say foolproof, not F-O-O-L. He said F-U-L-L. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I'm now ready to be offered, Pastor Pizer, to the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. You know what I like about that, Pastor Larry? He didn't say who won the fight. He just said, I fought a good fight. Didn't matter who won. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're going to have the wind of God on your life, and you're going to be somebody that gets God's attention, number one, you be a committed steward, but number two, you be a confident soldier. You be a confident soldier. You say, preacher, what, what are you talking about? This book primarily is a militaristic book. In chapter number two, listen, Paul encourages Timothy. He says, listen, you therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He told him in first Timothy chapter number one, he said, my prayer is that thou mightest war a good warfare. He told, listen, he told the church in Corinth. He said, you know what? He said, I so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Hey, listen, folks, I'm not just out there going, well, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to... No, I know what I'm doing. I'm in, I, listen, I'm in a fight every single day. And folks, God is not looking for wimps. He's looking for warriors. He's not looking for sissies. He's looking for soldiers. He's not looking for somebody, uh, preacher, that'll put their finger to the wind and figure out which way to go. He's looking for somebody to put their feet on the ground and set their face like a flint toward Jesus Christ and say, if Jesus would have quit, I'd be in hell. Aren't you thankful that Jesus went a little farther? Folks, I'm telling you, we got to be confident soldiers. How do you do that? Well, number one, you be faithful with your weapon. He said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known thee what? The holy what? If you want to defeat the work of the enemy in your life, you better get a hold of this and listen real, real good. You're going to use your weapon against the attacks of the devil every single day. If you try to fight a spiritual battle in the flesh, you will lose every single time. 
You've got to use the Word of God. I can't stress it enough. I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, how do I get out of this problem in my life? How do I defeat my flesh? How do I get over this discouraging time? And I say, use what God said. Use it. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creators of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. Why, He giveth power to the faint, and them that had no might, He increased His strength. He said, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm getting ready to preach. Be a confident soldier. Be faithful with your weapon. Let me tell you something, folks. When I went into the Marine Corps, I had no idea what I was in for. When I got off the bus, Tyler, at Paris Island, South Carolina, I can't even in human words describe to you what an armpit this place is. It is absolutely the scariest place I've ever been in my life. When I got off the bus, Peter, they put us in a room with nothing but stainless steel desks. When we got in there, Pastor Larry, four heads looked up over a desk caught that with these brown rounds on, these big brown hats. They looked at us, and they began to tell us how much uh, they loved us. No, let me just tell you right now. They said, your mom and your daddy ain't going to save you. They said, by the way, we are your mom and daddy for the next four and a half months. And whatever they did, we did it. Whatever they said, we did it. Folks, can I tell you, I did not realize. We used to go into a room for the first two months. We would go into a room to have some kind of little session to where they would try to teach us things, and they would make us sit on the ground Indian style, just like this, for hours while they had chairs stacked up, lined on the walls. And I'm like, these people got glue for brains. They've been out in the sun too long. They're making us sit on the ground. they got perfectly good chairs. What in the world's going on? I did not realize until I got to second phase boot camp two and a half months later, Ray, that when we got to the firing range where we qualified with our M16A2 rifle, that one of the positions that you shoot from is the sitting position. What they were doing, Peter, is they were conditioning our legs because I'm going to be honest with you, ladies can probably sit in your style for quite a while, but I can't do it. It ain't normal. It ain't, it ain't natural for men to sit Indian style for a long time. You know, I get up, my legs be all asleep, I about fall down, you know. But what they were doing is they were making sure that we were getting conditioned because if you can't steady that rifle, you can't qualify or you can't hit your target. See, God's doing the same thing in your life. He's conditioning you. He's getting you ready for something that you don't see down the road. But just like I said last night, God's too good to do you wrong and too wise to make a mistake. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. Number one, you be faithful with your weapon. Number two, you be fervent in the work. He said in verse number five of chapter number four, He said, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. That means, you know what? You are a missionary wherever God plants you. I'm not just the only preacher in this room. I used to do this, Pastor Pizer, when we had a visiting missionary. I'd ask them to introduce themselves. And then I would say, is anybody else in here, a, a visiting missionary, would like to just stand and be recognized? And then I'd look at all of them and I'd say, all of you need to stand up. Because every single one of you are. Wherever you are placed, whether it be at a university, whether it be in another country, you are a missionary and people want to see a sermon more than they want to hear one, so you're living the gospel out in front of somebody right now this day. 
Folks, be, listen, be faithful with your weapon. Number two, be fervent in the work. Do the work of an evangelist. And can I say this? I don't care what you do. I don't care what task you've got in the church. Do it to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, if I'm not mistaken, that pretty much encompasses everything we do, right? Do it all to the glory of God. I don't care if you're the assistant Sunday school pencil sharpener. You do it for the glory of God. You do it fervently. Well, I just don't get recognized. He never calls on me to pray. I don't ever get to sing it. Get your thumb out of your mouth and do something for Jesus. Be fervent in your work. Heard a story one time about a guy that went to the church, local church preacher, to get a job. He went in there and pastor said, what can I do for you? He said, I'd like to apply for the janitor's position here. He said, well, you just fill out this application. He said, sir, I can't read or write. He said, I'm sorry, you can't have the job. Guy left, he was pretty depressed. Went and sat out under a tree, Carl. While he was sitting there, it was an apple tree. An apple fell out right between his legs. He picked the apple up. He went, you know what? He said, everybody in our town loves apples, but they got to have them shipped in three, four hours away. He said, I think I'm going to plant some apple trees and I'm going to plant an apple orchard right here in the town for the people. He did that. Five, six, seven, eight years went down the road. He became a multi-millionaire, had five orchards in that town. Somebody came to him and said, man, you are so successful. You are so successful. And then he said, you know what? He said, it's an amazing thing because he said, I never went to school. I didn't even learn to read or write. And the, the, the guy that was doing the recording, the, doing the interview, he said, well, where do you think you'd be today if you could read or write? He said, I'd be the janitor down there at the Baptist church is what I'd be. You know what, folks? You've got to be fervent in your work. Be fervent. You know what the word fervent is? It's a Greek word, and, and, and Panos would, would agree. It's a Greek word which means to be passionate. Fervent. Zestos. Folks, we're to be passionate about what we do. Because can I tell you this? We're not doing it for anybody in this room. We're doing it for an audience of one, and he's the one that we serve. He's the one that we serve. You be fervent in your work. You be faithful with your weapon. But number three, you be focused on the war. Paul said, I fought a good fight. Be focused on the war. Realize, folks, that the enemy is not here. The enemy is, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rules of darkness and the spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, the enemy's not here. Andrew Jackson got his uh, troops together one day during the Civil War and rallied them because there was mutiny going on. And he got them all together and he said, Guys, let's remember, the enemy's not over here. The enemy's over there. Be focused on the war. But the third way to get God's attention, number one, to be a committed steward, number two, to be a confident soldier, but number three, turn to Galatians chapter number two, and I'm done. Galatians chapter number two, and I'm done. Galatians chapter number two, look at verse number 20. If you want to be somebody that gets God's attention, number one, you be a committed steward. Number two, you be a confident soldier. But number three, I want you to look at verse number 20. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20. Most of you know this verse. It said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I like those words, not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
And I say this, folks, if you're going to get God's attention, number one, you be a committed steward. Number two, you be a confident soldier. But number three, you be a crucified servant. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation to him and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, Peter, he... How does God, how does the God of heaven, Pastor Pizer, humble himself? The word literally means he humiliated himself. Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But I'm glad it don't stop there. Wherefore, God had also, also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in the earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. With Jesus I shall abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. You be a crucified servant. Back in those days, Jesus spoke to His disciples and He said, You know the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. He said, But it shall not be so among you, my people. For whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. The word minister is the word, Greek word diakonia. We get our English word deacon from it. It means a servant. Don't laugh at me. I'm trying my best. I'm a southern boy. <laughs> She's over here going, ain't way you say it. Ain't way you say it. No, no, just flat. It means a minister, a somebody who serves. You know what I've had it up to buy here, especially when in America, where we as churches vote deacons in based upon whether or not they're good with finances or whether they own their own business. What's that got to do with being a qualification for a servant? If I read my Bible correctly, it says, you know what? Pick you out men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and set them over serving tables. But the men of God, the apostles said, we will give ourselves continually to the prayer and the ministry of the Word. Jesus said, the way the world looks at success on the ladder of success is not the way we ought to look at it. He said, whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, your diakonia. But then he said, whosoever be chief among you, let him be your servant. Now, I know I won't get this one wrong. That's the Greek word doulos. That's a little bit different than a servant. It's a bond slave. You know what Jesus said? If you want to be great, you be a servant. But if you want to be the greatest among the great, you're going to have to get under everybody else. You're going to have to be a bond slave. See, we want to go and get to a place of business, and we want to be the big CEO and the one that's got all the, the claim to fame. And Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you're going to have to be down here. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. If you want to get God's attention, you're going to have to be a crucified servant. The Romans were experts at torture. The Iron Maiden. 
drawing and quartering men. Christians lost their lives to these tortures. But the greatest of all of them was crucifixion. They would take a man and they would have the cross beam and they would nail his wrist. And by the way, I'm not being a heretic. The wrist is part of the hand. That's where they would nail him. If they nailed him here, it'd pull out. Nailed him here where they could support the weight of that individual. They would tie ropes around his arms. They would cross his feet, bend his knees, drive a stake through that into that into that cross, into the bottom part of that cross beam. He had a small little step that he could raise up on. The reason they did that was because they wanted him to, to suffer, get a little bit of breath of air. Most people in crucifixion died of asphyxiation. They died suffocating to death or gargling on their own vomit. Get a little breath. They'd relax. They'd have to get another breath. And you know what, preacher Russ? When a man was crucified... He went through excruciating pain. But can I say this? When a man or a woman was crucified, they could look forward. They could look down. They could look up. And to an extent, they could look from side to side. But there was one direction they could never look. They could never look back. You know what I found out about the crucified life? Brother Ward, when you're crucified with Christ, you can't look back, preacher. You've got to look forward. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I want to ask you something tonight. Some of you, you know what? You've got a real hard time looking forward, but you don't have any problem looking back. And you're full of guilt. You're full of grudges. Because all you can think about is what happened back there. When you're crucified with Christ, Carl, you look that way, not that way. You want to get the wind of heaven on your life? You want to get God's attention? Number one, you be a committed steward. Number two, you be a confident soldier. But number three, you be a crucified servant. Folks, you know what that means? That means when you see somebody in need, it ain't about you, it's about them. I wonder how many times we ride by people that the Holy Spirit of God says, stop it. Stop it. Because see, I found out, Pastor, that the God of heaven's a perfect gentleman. He ain't going to beat you over the head. He's going to, in a still small voice, say, I wonder how many times we've ridden by somebody or not gone to that person when the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to us, put our arms around them and hugged them and said, I love you. But yet we're too busy. We're just too busy. Folks, I promise you, if you yoke up with Him and you want to get His attention, you be a committed steward, you be a, con listen, a confident soldier, but number three, you be a crucified servant. And you know what? The God of heaven who sits on His throne will say, that's the man I was looking for. That's the lady I was looking for. You say, preacher, I don't see how he's going to do it. I don't see a way out of this thing. With God, nothing is impossible. And I know that if He can paint a sunset and put the stars in place, I know if He can raise up mountains and calm the storm-tossed waves, 
And if he can conquer death forever and open heaven's gates, then I know for you he's more than able to. He'll find a way. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder tonight, as Miss Shelley makes her way to the piano, if you'd say this and be honest before God. Preacher, there's not a, not a shadow of a doubt in my mind if I was to take my last breath tonight that I'd be in heaven. Now, before I go any farther, let me just say this. You don't go to heaven because you deserve it. You don't go to heaven because you maybe have seemingly been a good moral person. You don't go to heaven because your name's on a church roll. You don't go to heaven because you've baptized as a baby. You go to heaven because you've been forgiven of your sins. The only way you can be forgiven is through the shed blood of our Savior, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Have you accepted the free gift of eternal life through Him? The Scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you saved tonight? I wonder if you'd say, Preacher, I know I'm born again. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I can raise my hand right now that I know I'm saved. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder if you'd say, Preacher, I am concerned about where I would spend eternity. And I'd just like for you to pray for me. I won't, I won't even point you out. I just want to pray for you if you were to slip it up and then put it back down. God bless you. Anybody else? Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Yeah, God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I want to be. Anybody else like that? Anybody? Would be a concerned enough about your spiritual condition to say, Preacher, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody? Anybody else? I'll be praying for you. You that raised your hands. Are you here tonight? And Christian friend, if you are saved, I wonder if you would say, you know what? I want to get God's attention, but I just hadn't been in a position where I could. I haven't been committed. I haven't been confident. And I, I haven't been crucified with Christ. And I want you to pray that God would stir in my heart, not just to Give him just 85%, but God would help me to give him 100%. And you'd say, preacher, God spoke to my heart tonight, and I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless your hands all over. Father, in Jesus' name, for those ones that raise their hand, they're not sure they're saved. Help them to realize that Jesus Christ stands right now with arms wide open saying, run to me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Lord, for those ones that are struggling, maybe with being co committed, being confident, uh, Lord, and being crucified, Lord, you re I know that you cemented this in my heart years ago that a dead man can't argue. A dead man can't be offended. And if I'm died to myself and I've been crucified with Christ, then a dead man can't worry. We just have to trust you. I commit all these things into your hands because I know that you're more than able to do exceedingly, as Pastor Pizer prayed tonight, exceedingly and abundantly above anything we could ask or think. Lord, I love you, but Lord, there's a million reasons why I know you ought not love me, but I'm thankful that you love me first and gave your son to die for me. This is my one chance again tonight just to declare my total dependence upon you and I pray that that would be the heartbeat of every single individual believer in this room tonight as we would declare our allegiance and our independence in you. 
And I'll praise you for what you do in our midst in this invitation time because I ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.